But otherwise, I'm ready to go. Uh, Aaron, you can take it away. And I guess, I don't know, like, how you want to go into it, because we're stitching this together, kind of. So if you want to... I was going to say, is this part being recorded out? Or, I mean, edited out? <laughs> yeah, yes, it's totally going to be edited out. Um, but... No, nah, we threw out the raw everything. <laughs> everything is raw here. Always. <laughs> this is Gonzo podcasting. <laughs> Gonzo podcast. But, uh... Gonzo podcasting? What's that? Have you never heard, like... No, 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 like no, a, we, don't, we don't have time for that. Let's, yeah, you're right. We don't have uh, time. Because that's going to be forever. Because it's Aaron, and you're going to have to speak to him like he's a two-year-old child. <laughs> I'm not a two-year-old child. I am just interested. I've never heard of these things before. Just watch Beer Loathing a lot. Yes. I, I, sp- I, spend, I spend half my time explaining things to people. I know, which is what's so funny to me about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm good at explaining things, not being explained to. <laughs> being ex- all right. right, fuck it, we'll do it live. Um, all right, guys, welcome back to the Chicago Film Scene Podcast. My name is Aaron, and we have got a full podcast today. Uh, let's just actually, honestly, do a quick whip around. Let's start with Juan. Juan, and the only I'm here, I'm back again. What's up? Uh, in addition, we got Joe as well, as we typically do. Yeah, I'm always here. You can't get rid of me that easily. I've tried. <laughs> we've got we've got Danny as well, a CFS veteran. What's going on, guys? I'm here to, uh, to put my two cents into whatever needs to happen. All right. All right. And then also we have Savannah as well coming on here to discuss her new short, uh, The Yellow Wallpaper. Hi, I'm happy to be here. All right, so uh, let's get started right away, guys. Um, first, starting off, Joe, anything big news-wise we got coming for uh, the Chicago film scene? Yes, uh, we just had a, a board meeting, and a lo- besides a lot of uh, boring 501c3 stuff, at least stuff that wouldn't be interesting to talk about <laughs> on the podcast, I'd say the biggest thing that came up is um, we have uh, relaunched our Patreon page. Ooh. Yeah. What is what is a, what does a relaunching of Patreon mean? Is uh, in like we actually have a tier, mm. and the actual benefits to joining the Patreon. So what are the, what are the benefits? What are the, what are the benefits right now? Ah, for um, basically, it is a our one tier is like for five dollars a month, you get an insider pass. What does the insider pass come with? <laughs> oh, we need to know, Joe. What's up? It gives you access to like the database on the website, so like you can like basically meet up with other people who have signed up, like get their information for like projects and the like. I think you, you also spam that email. <laughs> I think you also. I think with the tier one pass, because it's insider, you get to sleep on uh, BG's couch. Once a week. <laughs> what a treat! If you if, you, oh, if yeah. you ever if you ever get way too drunk at the diversity bowl, you can just stroll on over to his place <laughs> and fall asleep on his couch. Which honestly, I'll pay five bucks a month for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that I mean that's cool. Like, uh, what's the holdup? So <laughs> you said what? I'd be really happy to be during what's the holdup? Uh, fall asleep on BJ's couch. <laughs> Yeah, because those edibles like knocked me on my ass. <laughs> you see, I I said that, man, and you were like, oh, you know, whatever. I was like, yeah, those fucked me up, dude. Like, you gotta warn somebody before you do that kind of thing, man. 
I was like, Joe dosed me. What the hell is this about? Joe, Joe is just straight up tranquilizing people in the entire podcast. <laughs> we don't we don't we, we don't we don't have your like horse like tolerance, Joe. You can't handle that stuff. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, Patreon, though, like uh, I've actually never uh, I don't think I've ever contributed to a Patreon. And it's been around a long time, but that's cool that uh, CFS has one going in. And hopefully we can, like, get some perks that, you know, or. Yeah, and it's definitely you know, going to be something that will, like, evolve. With Sounds good. And um, so besides that, um, was what were you saying? The other big thing is yellow wallpaper. Yes. So uh, we have uh, Danny, who I believe, Danny, you were the DP for this project. Yes, yes, I was. And we have Vanna, and this was your vision, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was um, adapted from a short story. Um, and I figured that, you know, I could do it on a very extremely low budget. So that's how it happened. I'm a big fan of horror. Um, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and then Danny too, and he was recommending me a lot of movies to check into that were weird and had awesome shots in them. And so we were just trying to come up with this weirdest, more most scariest thing that we could do with no money. And well, we'll see how we, you know, you guys will get to see how we did next month. The idea is to screen it at the arrogant bar. Well, so a couple questions along with that. So you said this came from like a short horror story as well um mm-hmm. what collection did this come from uh, there was uh there's this book and it has some general title i forget what it is it's like scary stories uh like i don't know some uh just the collection of scary stories that were like want to say around like the 1800s and and stuff and this was it uh, by robert w chambers because it sounds like something he would write uh, or no, am i just thinking that, the king in you're, yellow you're thinking of the king in yellow which is on my list to read but oh, fantastic uh, short story collection all public domain by the way yes that's it and that's another thing is like i googled what was public domain and i re- i found that that story was a part of it oh i found the book it's called the best ghost stories ever and it was like a scholastic book. I don't know if you guys remember that in school. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. yeah, so I picked this up as a little kid. And the thing is, is like, it's like old writing. So I remember picking it up, just getting off of Harry Potter and going, oh, I, I have no idea what this all means, you know, with all these like yeah. archaic words. But I uh, could understand it now, but it's still, you know, old fashioned. And we we put a modern twist to it. Um, the original story was written by this woman, Charlotte Gilman. She wrote it in like kind of a diary entry form, and it was about a woman who was um, has been depressed, and her husband's taking care of her in this little vacation home, this Victorian home. Uh, he is her psychologist, and he doesn't understand what's wrong with her, and nobody else does, not even her. And so she sort of, uh, you know, doesn't. She basically doesn't get to be heard, and is felt she's trapped. So in the story, she gets obsessed with this yellow wallpaper. She starts to see things in it. And, well, you'll find out what happens, I guess, in the film. Or if you know the story, you know what happens. But um, so I, I looked at it and I was like, well, I got a room. I could totally make into a bedroom. Um, and I also didn't want to hire a lot of people, uh, like, for the cast. I just really wanted to work with one room, one person, and see what kind of creepy stuff I could come up with. Yeah, so, horror movies are 
created with constraints. Yeah, right. Yeah. So more or less the stories about uh, any time that you move in with a significant other and you have to redecorate. <laughs> yeah, that's I guess you can look story. at it like, well, that's the funny thing is. It's a timeless tale. It's, uh, you know, in the story, right, her husband's a psychologist. And so he's he's not doing the, I mean, he means well, but he doesn't understand. And I don't think at the time a lot of people you know, understood depression. Um, and so she, um, that, but making that a modern story, I wanted to take away the, the guy in it. Cause I don't want, I don't want the viewers to blame anybody for her captivity. I wanted to let, leave it ambiguous. Um, because I don't want anyone to watch it and be like, well, that guy sucks. Cause the story <laughs> isn't necessarily that right. She's just, yeah. She's lost. She's confused. And yet everybody around her is telling her that it's okay. All you need to do is rest. All you need to do is sleep. But that's not working for her. And nobody else has a solution for her, not even her doctor husband. So um, and in the story, he's not a bad guy. So I I just didn't want to. I felt like if I did have a guy in it, uh, I'd have to give him some like more of a role in the story. And I really just wanted to focus on her and her insanity, you know, uh, with this uh, wallpaper. Interesting. Um, And Danny, you shot this. Uh, What was the process like for you? uh, And what were you thinking going into that? Um, I actually met Savannah. Just started talking about movies we liked. And she told me she had a script in that horror genre. Because at first I was just like, oh, this would be cool fucking to shoot. And I've never shot horror before. But um, once I got the story, I started reading the script. And uh I was like, this sounds uh, pretty interesting. So me and her just started talking more about uh, depression and how we can kind of like shoot this on uh, such a small budget. So that's kind of the beginning of everything. Gotcha. Did you draw any inspiration from anything else that you've seen while you were doing this? Like, I know, like, yeah, I was, every I was watching, uh, I was watching um, The Exorcist. Uh, and, and I don't know. I'm sure you guys seen that movie before, but um, I haven't seen oh, it yeah. in 15, 20 years. That movie, and I, I got a chance to, to see it again. It wasn't as scary as it was when I was a kid, though, anymore. Um, and also what the movie called which is a Korean movie it's also like a horror well yeah I mean I, I, the interesting thing also with the Exorcist I was actually weird enough you bring that up I was talking to my parents about that before and my mom was alive when like it first came out and she went to go see mm-hmm. it as a kid and she was like you gotta understand like this movie when it came out like the effects that they were using were way beyond what existed at the time and right. it legitimately just freaked everyone out. So we look back at it and laugh, but I mean, it was like, it was a hallmark film for horror development and horror technology that was being used at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah there's, it keeps getting brought up. It's like one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Yeah. So well then going back into it um, for either Savannah or Danny, was there something that when you were shooting this, that was like, anything that was really difficult or any unforeseen problems that you saw, I mean, that happened while you guys were on the shoot that you had to kind of problem solve around? We both probably got a, a story or two. I'll let her go first. Oh, yeah. I um, I know that personally, I, uh, well, because this was a very small crew with no budget, 
I know I should have uh, definitely gotten more help. I played the ghost in the story. And uh, and there was a couple of t- I didn't get to see the shots that I was in. And also, I feel like I could have tweaked it a bit better with like my makeup and whatever. And, and you know, with a budget, you definitely want a makeup person on there. And so that um, that was a problem trying to make it real. We did come up with a workaround. Um, there was a shot where I wanted to have like so the, the idea is that there's something crawling underneath the wallpaper and so I wanted to get a shot of uh, like fingers, uh, just random fingers coming out from under the wallpaper and sliding back in. But Danny had this great idea of doing it differently and more uh, accessibly. Like it was accessible the way that we could do it because before it was like, all right, how do we do these walls behind her and like, you know, do this effect with the fingers? Um, but uh, there was a couple times where we we ran into the, like. Um, we had this idea for like, oh, we'll have this scary moment. But then, of course, when you're on set and you only have so much time and so many people, um, you have to just change it a little bit. And so I, I got a lot of help from Audrey and from uh, Bri- Bri- uh, Brianna about uh, with the wallpaper. And they, they helped uh, they put that up and, and also helped make a lot of um, other makeup stuff happen. But it really would have should have had more help when it came or have somebody play the ghost uh, so that I could watch it all from as an observer and not actually be in it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm also not a fan of seeing myself act, but in this case you didn't see my face. So I was totally all right with that, but still like need to learn how to give or get other people to work on these things. Danny, did you have anything? Yeah. The, um, this was also another project where to do some special effects. I've never worked with special effects before, so that kind of ate up a lot of our second day. Cause we shot we shot two days, and um, so we had some other girls that actually we met from Chicago film scene that that do VFX, and they came and they gave you know they gave some pointers, and so that was like a, a big kind of hurdle for for me particular shooting green screen but i'm glad i did it because now i have a better understanding of how to do it and then also like towards the end i mean we had an hour left before everybody had to kind of leave we got like maybe six seven shots done in that hour (laughs) damn yeah that's productive yeah yeah we did it guys were sprinting (laughs) right yeah Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny because you think like with one room and one actress, like, oh, yeah, this could be done in one day. But there's just so much that, you know, we were trying to accomplish for our very first time that, <laughs> you know, we had to like, redo a couple of things where, um, you know, especially the ghost stuff that I was acting like because I didn't know how I was looking like <laughs> I just tried to do as much takes as I could, you know, and um but, you know, that was the idea with this film was like, uh, you know, with what little we know, what little money we have, like, let's see how big we can go. And I think that's going to probably be the uh, philosophy for the next few projects that Danny and I are going to work on uh, and keep challenging ourselves, you know. Uh, so you got definitely you guys got a little team going on right now. I like that. Like, I, so guys- I think, uh, yeah, I keep I, I keep telling Danny I, I want I, you know, I'm eyeing him for all my other projects because I just think we have a good uh we have good communication, you know, it's 
so important. Obviously, you guys like know why not that. get that, like yeah. work the collaboration angle. You yeah. see, look at, look at the CFS podcast. We're over here. You heard it here first. So when they're when they're lifting up their Oscars one day, <laughs> we could be like, "Hey, we were on this shit way yeah. before all you guys were." So like we do this. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, we got another yeah. project going. It's not going to be a horror this time. We're gonna. It's going to be a little um, much lighter. Uh, the idea is to do comedy. Um, but you know, to all the filmmakers out there that have no money, I mean, use what you got. Like I have an office that I work at with my, I, I shoot fitness videos, uh, you know, for my bread and butter. And, um, I, uh, you know, there's a couple of rooms in the office that I could use and, and the people that I work with are pretty cool about letting me do that. So, but come summertime and you better believe we're going to do some weird Blair Witch Project shit. Like I would love to do something in the woods, you know, I, I've been trying to tell people and like everybody who will listen to me that my, the town that I grew up in is called Park Forest. It's about uh 35 uh, miles South of downtown. Mm-hmm. And um, we have huge trails of forest preserves where like, you know, like with a bunch of eight, uh, like native American history and mm. like all yes. sorts of sites. And I've been trying, like I should have probably taken it upon myself to like take pictures and show to people and kind of like uh, location scout. But <laughs> Let me know if you want to do that. I yeah. know a lot of creepy places <laughs> like where oh, I grew up. All right, dude. I was then, yeah. One, uh, one. You shouldn't say that stuff. Why, why yeah, that? Hey, I, I know, I know, I know, I know a lot of real creepy places. <laughs> yeah, just hang out there, <laughs> waiting for people. To no, show wait, 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 what are you? Are you Whatever. sure you just do the podcast thing? Or you got a weird what? lobby on the side. There's a bridge I really like going to, and I wait <laughs> under it. You know, like, you know what's funny? Do you know what's funny? <laughs> While you're you got, what you know bodies? What I mean, like there is actually a bridge where we used to like go when we when we were like sixteen, seventeen, and we'd smoke weed and we'd get like a twenty four pack and like we used to go out there and it was like you know like a haunted spot and there's also like um Bachelor's Grove. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Bachelor's oh, yeah. Grove. Yeah, I've heard yeah, of like that's like right by where I grew up too. Like Resurrection like, Mary, the ghost. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yep, oh no, yep. is this the one with the haunted cemetery where like people get all types of weird ghost photos? Yeah, there's like all sorts of like okay. so it's like supposed to be where like Al Capone like buried a lot of bodies, blah blah oh, blah blah. Like wow. there's uh, like, like a great story, man. Yeah. Like there's a ton of stuff like so like abandoned theaters and stuff because oh, my town yeah. went to shit. Um so there's nothing okay. there. So there's a lot of open spaces that like literally Hopefully people will be like, Yeah. Down there. Yeah. I I keep telling people, let me know. We can make a field trip out of it. Like Yeah, yeah. Sure. let's go look location scout. Let, let's do things. it. Yeah. 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 I, I I'm I'm still just imagining Juan being a high bridge asking people rhymes and riddles to cross. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what we could shoot. Juan, do you want to act? I, nobody will let me, but I will. I will. We'll get you like, some uh, prosthetic moles and little, like, you know, lumps and things, make you a real troll-like. I think it'd be cool. Little, little, little hey, stu- he's, he's like, he's like halfway the between a riddle. Just, uh, and fun- on the head with a mallet, Looney Tunes style. <laughs> um, you guys, 
He gets halfway through it. He gets halfway through a riddle and forgets what it is, and then just like one and goes gets a bunch of snacks. Yeah. Uh, speaking of shoestring <laughs> budgets, like fuck the makeup and stuff. Like you just holler at me like the Thursday after the meetup, and when I wake up and just shoot me like that, I look okay. frightening enough as it is. <laughs> Absolutely. <yeah. laughs> no, no, I'd love to check it out though, that location, and and yeah, probably you know write something where you play a troll. That would be great. I think we could do that. I'm down. That turn around. I'm <laughs> so down. Yeah, that'd be okay. Cool. So. so- so before we start closing off and moving on to the uh, New York Times article, uh, Savannah, so what are we expecting kind of the uh, yellow wallpaper to be coming out uh, and to be yeah, released? So uh, I definitely uh, need to get it done by March 25th because that is the deadline for the Chicago Horror Film Festival. And so, yeah, awesome. that, yeah so we definitely want to submit this and. You know, who knows? You never know who'll see it and then maybe give us more money for it. You know, like, hey, you could do this. Why don't we give you money to do this? You know, that's I don't know. Let's let's hope. Right. There's somebody out there just waiting to give filmmakers like it's us. It's the money. dream. <laughs> yeah. And so um, so I, I'm, I'm guessing that um, we'll probably be working up until that deadline. So that Wednesday before the 25th or after will probably be. Uh, when we screen it at the Arrogant Frog, and it will be on Wednesday, and I will make more of a post about it for sure. So I, I will bring the popcorn. It. Yes, thank you. And I got to make sure everybody who has worked on it will be there because right now I've got two sound guys, and um, and so one of them did like a little theme song, and then Davey, who was at the um, who I met at the uh, the Frog. Um, and I know he's on Discord, Davey Walker. He sent me this amazing track. It's so eerie. It's spooky. I love it. Um, but I have to kind of figure out where to put everything. And I'm like, oh, this is way over my head. I am, I know how to edit. I know how to do most things. But with sound design, it's 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 an art. It's the reason why there's, you know, only like people who like to only do that, right? So my problem is I like to try to do everything. And I'm stretching myself out thin sometimes, but luckily Danny right now is coloring the film and uh, I've sort of synced up most of the music and and stuff to it. So it will be ready next month and it will, man, I wish I was more sure about what day it is since this, uh, let's see, uh, the 20th. Hey, it's your movie, you're editing you yeah. take your time. <laughs> I, I, let, you let's say March 18th is when we're going to screen it. <laughs> um, you heard it here yeah, first. So <laughs> those who, who are World listening, premiere. come to the yeah, Arrogant Frog, you know, watch my movie. <laughs> there won't be speeches. Throw things after, at me afterwards if you didn't like it. <laughs> I want full honesty, you know, like you got you to gotta be real with us. Um, maybe at first, you know, soften us up a bit and see what you liked about it, you know, but then like buy you buy you a couple <laughs> drinks, you get know, us a little lubricated then get, so we can handle the news. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Fair Absolutely. enough. Well thank first off, I want to say thank you, Samantha, for coming yeah, out and talking you. about uh the yellow white paper. Yeah, no, thank you for um, having inviting me and Danny. We're yeah, this is, this is pretty about, cool. Yeah, this is great what you guys are doing. This is so this is important work. You're doing the Lord's work right here. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, tell everybody where they can find your other stuff and your, your socials if you want to plug all that and everything like that. Uh, well, my Instagram is Vanna Sparrow. 
uh, V-A-N-N-A-S-P-A-R-R-O-W. And uh, I got not, nothing else to really offer. I have no website or anything. I'm very, very new at this. Um, but you can reach out to me there or catch me at, you know, the meetups at uh, Arrogant Frog. Um, but, you know, once I get a website going, uh, I'll be sure to make sure everybody knows about it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, are you hanging with us or are you about to hop off too? Yeah, what do you um I'll hang out for a little bit. Um All right, cool. yeah, I'm gonna hang out for a little bit. All right, cool. With that being said, I think we're gonna say goodbye to Savannah and thank you for having us uh, or thank you for <laughs> coming on our show for sure. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys for having me and uh let me know if you ever uh need me to come back again i'm happy to do it especially from the comfort of my own home <laughs> so wait you wait all you guys are going to talk about the brit marling op-ed and not one woman's going to be on this no that's a, that's a, you see this I mean, is where the, the magic of editing comes in because uh oh, yes, soon, when you get off i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna i'm waiting for kristen to get on yeah she's okay, definitely yeah. not gonna be all guys <laughs> and actually waiting for the uh, go ahead and audrey as well Good. Okay, great. Okay, cool. I'm yeah. just messing with you guys. I, I was just, I was hoping it's just going to be all men because I feel like that's the best way to discuss this article. I mean, yeah. that's, the, that's the Hollywood way. Yeah. That's the government. <laughs> if it works for the government, it's changing. I think, uh, I think we're all seeing that now, you know. Um, oh. Even at the meetups, there are more women that show up, you know. I, when I went God. to film school, I was, I, I can count on one hand how many girls were there. But I, I believe it's changing now, especially with people like Britt Marling, who's doing great stuff. So, you know, uh, diversity uh, and gender equality yeah. equals better stories and better projects in yeah. particular. So, I mean, let's, we got to yeah. do this. I think sure. so. I mean, it's, it's a fact, in my opinion. We've seen we grew up on TV. We've seen what's out there. Like we need more, more representation of like the world that we know, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah. Okay. Well, um, thank you for having me on. I'm going to get off, eat some food, but I, I wish I could be a part of this next bit, but I got to go. So thanks again, right. guys. Thank well, you for being here. Thank you. Bye. Take care. I guess while Joe's trying to, Oh, look at that timing. Speak of the devil. Hello. <laughs> Speaking of the devil, she comes in with that sweet voice. Like, hi, <laughs> I'm the devil. <laughs> Just trying to get all of my like cold coughing out. Hey, hey guys, I gotta, I gotta go. Okay, it's cool, Danny. Uh, we'll catch you later, buddy. Yeah, we'll catch up next time. I'll see you all guys right. tomorrow. Yeah. All right, take care, brother. All right, bye. All right, so we got Joe, Aaron, and Kristen on. Uh, our, so we just don't know about Audrey. Let's give her a minute or so. Yeah, let, let's give her a couple minutes, and if not, we'll just move on forward. Uh, I just don't want to have three men and and the <laughs> devil talking about this. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> I was responding to the phrase, not the. Uh... <laughs> Hi guys, my name is Kristen, otherwise known as the Devil. No. <laughs> I mean, Simpsons did it with Flanders. Is this Audrey on the line? Hi, this is Audrey. Hello, Audrey. How are you doing? Good. Who is that? That's this is that's Juan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
he is you are on the line with Aaron Joseph and Kristen the Devil the game. <laughs> Hi. Be careful what you respond to. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's now actually kind of start moving on to another topic up tonight. Uh, we wanted to dive into the Brit Marling article. I don't want to be uh, the strong female lead opinion article uh, that was posted recently in the New York Times. This is the article that we promised last episode that we would talk about in full. Oh, yeah. For those who will be listening. So uh, with that being said, uh, let's just we have a quick change up that's actually occurring on the panel right now. Um, Juan, Joe and myself are still here, but we have actually two new individuals stepping up on the mic right now. Uh, Would you care to introduce yourself? I can go. Um, I'm Kristen. This is my second podcast. And I am an actor with passion profession. And um, then I throw some marketing talk in here and there. So don't be surprised if it comes up. (laughs) Well, good to have you back, Kristen. Thank you. And we have Audrey on. Hello. um, My name is Audrey. I am a motion graphics designer. Um, so I'm more on the like post-production side of things. It's my first podcast recording. Great to have you guys on. All right. So, um, who would like to actually kind of dive into with the overall, with the overview of what this article is discussing and dives into? Uh, Joe, would you give us the rundown for the people who may have not read it? All right. Well, the central thesis of this article is how, um, basically the strong, empowered female role that has basically started springing up in Hollywood recently is like, while a better role for women than what has typically been seen since any kind of storytelling has like ever existed, more or less. Um, the strong, empowered female, like in the opinion of Britt Marling, is still like, has its like has its uh, faults in that it is like we are like she basically describes the strong female lead as essentially a man and a like acting but a woman acting masculine sorry for stumbling every over everything (laughs) no you're good uh i mean i think i've read it twice now and uh there was other things that were raised i think those that was one of the standout ones and also yeah the uh, main crux of the article and yeah. also violence being you know like them kind of i guess strong female leads uh their character arc ending violently uh and other things of that nature but yeah and also uh, the masculine nature of storytelling in general that's what that was really interesting to me but uh okay so where do we want to start off with this one I would like uh, Audrey. Uh, you're new. You're new, so you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think there's like a lot to unpack with that article. I do agree with a lot of what she said in it, um, and from what I see with like female representation in media, um, especially the sort of like new wave of the uh, strong female lead. I think that's something we're seeing a lot in like superhero movies and stuff like that. And how that character um, isn't not only just like in a way doesn't make sense, but is also in my opinion, a little bit boring. 
Um, just because if you have, uh, like, this strong female lead character who already knows how to do everything, is, like, perfect in every single way, like, there's no real way to grow from that. And to me, that's what makes a character or story interesting is, like, character growth. Um, and when you have this, like, base model starting out where she's already so strong and perfect and everything like that, that's just not very interesting. Well, I think that's comparing between two, like, let's talk superheroes, two female superheroes that exist. Uh, you have Captain Marvel versus Jessica Jones. Um, where right. Captain Marvel is very much like she is the Superman of the Marvel Universe where she has all these abilities and supremely powerful above everyone else. Where Jessica Jones is someone who's actually very, very strong and everything at that point, but also is dealing with some very real issues. Sure, yeah. And I think like, most people would agree that Jessica Jones has a much more compelling story than the Captain Marvel series. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, that was the, the season season one Jessica Jones is probably one of my more favorite of the television series of Marvel that ever best came thing out. that came out of Marvel Netflix season one of Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> yeah, I will just say that to my dying day. I'd hate <laughs> to start pushing back though, like uh, already, but. Um, I also agree, like, with a lot of things, and, like, definitely, I don't know if we can completely dissect everything in this article. I don't know if we can, because there was a lot in there, and I would suggest that listeners go and read Britt Marlin's op-ed, because it is good, and it's significant regardless. But I think that Jessica Jones is the exact type of strong female lead that we, a few of us at least, just said that we love that Britt Marlin's talking about, because Jessica Jones herself is very masculine when she has she's the hard drinking detective she's the violent uh person who's trying to you know like overcome anger issues she's the one who initiates these sexual relationships like you know and kicks the guy out at the end of the whole interaction she's the one who um, you know is the hard nose you know no fucks given it's like yes we under you're supposed there's a lot deeper things in that you're supposed to understand her trauma but i think she's very the way she dresses the way she like talks to people the way like you know what i mean there's a lot that brit marlin said it's like yeah that was empowering to like empowering to play like oh the ceo who's yelling at men and everything like that but i think jessica jones is the type of person she, like that she's saying that she does not want to be though I have one. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm the opposite because I, okay, as an actor and knowing my type as very girly girl, which is something that I like and I love. And I like this article because I do want to, like, normally these quote strong female leads, like, casting director will never even look at me. I don't even know sometimes if it's just because you're blonde and, you know, blonde goes with being more feminine sometimes, the stereotypes and all that. But, um, can I just say there, um, Elwoods, two words, Elwoods. <laughs> when you're looking at the opposite, mm-hmm. there are some characters like that that resonate for me. And like, I needed, this sounds silly to say, but like, I needed Elwoods because when it comes to, I know we're talking about film, but then film is a reflection on life. And then how this does reflect on life. Like, I felt like I couldn't like think, and I still feel judged. I've had offices where I feel mostly by other girls um, where I feel judged for embracing pink. And, you know, I don't know if that's because you're seen as like 
that I'm trying to build up that stereotype or play into it when it's just a genuine there's room for every personality type and if your personality type happens to suit a stereotype it I feel like I'm putting myself out there for judgment um, mm-hmm. but I I was thinking about plays as well because you know she talks about there's a lot I agree with, and there are a couple points in general that I'm really hoping there's time to touch on. The one point I, where I wasn't sure is where it almost feels like she generalizes away from it being possible to tell stories with strong women who aren't in these violent situations. Um, reading scripts and thinking about plays, there are a lot of plays that I know of that share the female story more, and I don't know if that's because they don't need the same budgets that studio movies do to produce, but there are at least some those stories being told, but I will admit they're harder to find. Could it be due to the different like nature of uh, the differing nature of audiences between plays and movies? I mean, maybe, but I mean, if you think about Shakespeare and all the women who dressed up as men, but they were definitely... Well, I guess that that could go on to this on a whole different, <laughs> like, parallel level that to be the strong female lead, they were dressing up as men. Um, you know, there's some before film even that um, Bernard Shaw wrote Mrs. Warren's Profession, which the strong female lead is a prostitute. And it, trying to keep myself from going on tangents, but there are people who have told those stories which I think is worth pointing out, but at the same time, they are so much harder to find. And like, as an actor, oh my gosh. When the, like, seriously, when a war movie is being made, it's like, okay, great. So maybe one female role in this, maybe that. And that's where I think about these strong female leads. You look at so many war movies and there are so many of them and there are, they are so good, but I'm like, but the women who stayed at home and didn't go to war, they have to have a lot of stories too. Why can't we tell any of those? Yeah, like where's the movie about Rosie yeah, the River? I, right. I agree with Kristen. And um, I think to speak to the point about like tropism and um, things like that, I think Jessica Jones works for me. Like, yes, she does fall into a lot of these stereotypes we're talking about where she's a very like strong sort of masculine character, but Um, that's a point in this article that I did want to touch on where like some women do portray more masculine like energy. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's okay. And it doesn't like a character doesn't always have to be so super feminine in order for it to be a compelling story. Um, to me, I think maybe Jessica Jones could fall into this category, but for me, it was still a very well thought out story. And, um, I know in this article, she does talk a lot about how, like, she's having trouble um, speaking about stories of women without just sort of talking about the patriarchy and stuff. And I think yeah, this is exactly. what Kristen is getting Thank at. Really, like, <laughs> to me, it's yeah, it's very hard, in my opinion, to even tell a story about being a woman without addressing the patriarchy, um, or in, without, in some ways, sort of like having that influence you. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that point in her article of like you can't have a story told that's 
like purely feminine in a way, like even going down to like story structure and stuff. Like I think there's a lot of like really intelligent thought there, but I don't think there's anything wrong with having a story that does, that is about like, especially in the Jessica Jones story that is about a woman whose life has just been completely literally controlled by a male role and her rebelling against that in a very violent way. Um, to me that, that still isn't masculine because it is so much about her like reclaiming herself. And to me, that's a feminine, like a feminist story. I also think the point of Elle Woods, Elle Woods is like one of the most cathartic (laughs) characters to me as well. I'm, I don't identify like super, super feminine. Like I do love pink and stuff like that, but like I do. And myself, like how this article says, like I tend to dress a little bit more masculine. So Mm -hmm. I do get respect from people like I'll wear a blazer on days where I'm going to do like a speech or like an interview or something, because I know that like having broader shoulders is going to make me more respected. Um, and Elwood's is such like a contradiction to that, that it's really refreshing. And like, I, I know, like, I know it does sound like a little bit stupid to be like, Oh, Elwood's is like one of the most cathartic characters for me, but like genuinely she is like the fact that she like loves pink, but gets into law school. is very cool. Yeah. And cause I, I honestly like I embraced Elle Woods at a young enough age and this is where again try not to move too far away from film but just in my own life and you know what you were just saying about embracing masculine traits for respect it's been interesting to me where like I go to work or if I start a new job and I'm like if embracing myself is girly how much can I embrace myself Right. Yeah. 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 And And I have learned as well that when you're nice, people. And I don't know how much of this goes into unconscious bias. Um, In my last job, we had this woman from, I forget if it was Stanford or Harvard, who came, who has done a lot of research really deep into unconscious bias and how many decisions we all have that we make every single day that we do. You know, Mm -hmm. so we use unconscious bias to filter everything. I don't know how much is unconscious bias versus stereotype and then when when it comes to storytelling and ads because this is the marketing side that marketers whether they actually do it or not are all trying to tell stories um you know the number of times they're casting for the mom is in her like mid-20s and then the kids will be eight ten twelve like so, she had him when she was thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> um, when when you when you talk about Elle Woods, you know, I think like I think the most recent example of that uh, for me, just from like storytelling, is like I don't know if you watch the marvelous Miss Maisel. Like Midge Maisel is that kind of character to me. I mean, and I think about like, have you seen that? Has anybody watched that besides me? I watched the pilot episode way back when. Yeah, I say I think I maybe have seen one episode. Like it's been on my watch list, and I was actually thinking about her and that character as you like as we were talking. But because I haven't seen it, I was like, I don't know if she's actually relevant or not, though. But that also is basically, I mean, it's no like spoiler or whatever. She goes through a divorce or whatever. And then she kind of goes off on uh, her a comedy career on her own when she was supporting her husband through a failed comedy career. And she ends up being more successful than him. And pretty much that's the basis of the show is, you know, um, making herself 
uh, in this climate that was the 1960s uh, in show business for a woman and the expectations. But she's very much, you know, like the, I guess, you girly girl about it. And she makes no, like, you know, secret of that. And um, I think there's a great story there, too. So it's like, to me, when I read this article, it almost felt that Britt Marlene, I got what she was saying, but I felt like she ignored a lot of roles that didn't fall into what she was talking about. Like, I mean, we can talk about Viola Davis, um, uh, you know, like the characters that Ava DuVernay writes, you know what I mean? Like, uh, there's so many, and I, uh, one thing that I thought of too is uh, Charlize Theron in uh, Mad Max, which is one of my favorite like movies that have come out. And I think it's actually like overlooked for the storytelling. That is very much a feminist story i think it gets like kind of ignored because of all like you know the crashes and action and blah 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 and like she's very much that like yeah like fighter but i mean the whole point of that is like female liberation i almost felt like in a way that she was saying that that's not enough and one thing too just like just to play devil's advocate not for you Kristen, (laughs) but just in general um (laughs) I think that what is wrong with that, especially when she goes on, she goes on to say that gender roles specifically representing non-binary and not, and she said something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing, but I don't think that all masculine is, you know, evil and all feminine is serene. And she, we need to rep, we need to recognize things in between. So when she said that, I was like, then what are you talking about? Almost. I was almost like confused by that. Cause I was like, well then yeah, not every man is completely masculine. There's no such thing. And not every woman is completely feminine. It's like, there are, there is in between. So it's like, if you like, we have both sides in us, all of us. So it, it kind of like, I don't know, kind of like diluted the whole thing for me. And I was kind of trying to find the point and another thing I guess that I thought about it that it was kind of I was confused by was that at the end of the day, I guess I was like, it almost seems like you're saying that, like, you're very successful. I was like, what about the actresses who are nowhere near close to that level? Like she was like, yeah, I felt empowered doing stunts on set, but it felt bad because I was kicking ass or whatever. And it was almost like, well, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would love to have those roles. And I'm not saying like, Hey, shut up and like, stop complaining. You're successful. It's like, yo, she should absolutely totally think of these things. But in a little way, it, it kind of felt to me like she was speaking of her experience, which is, Nothing wrong with it. Obviously, it's just the point of an op-ed, but it seemed like she was ignoring a lot of other factors, like even the privilege that she has almost that she's ignoring where there's other actresses of particularly of color uh, or of non-binary who would never even be considered for the kind of roles that she gets offered. And, and I don't know. I kind of, go well, ahead. Just, uh, there's a sentence that totally plays into what you're talking about that I... Like I highlighted in my notes, she wrote, um, and it will always feel better to be holding the gun in the scene than to be pleading for your life at the other end of the barrel. And 
for me, like the actor in me jumped out at that. Like, I want to play both. <laughs> so when she says it will feel better, I read it a couple times because I, I was saying, like, are you saying it feels better for you? Or like, I was trying to figure out if she was making that blanket statement for everyone that she thinks it'll always feel better to be the woman holding the gun. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was interesting. And to the point of like, kind of not knowing maybe why this was written, if she's acknowledging that um, everybody has like masculine and feminine in them. I think it's about that specific trope, though, this like strong female lead trope, which like does definitely exist um in movies like yes there are exceptions to the rule and there are like a ton of beautifully nuanced female characters um written but there there still is this like trope of like this strong female lead character you know whether that be like a black widow character in a superhero movie or like even ray from the new star wars Mm -hmm. movies that type of thing like these characters definitely do fall into that trope um, so I, I think that like this, this is written not necessarily as like all movies are like this and like, there's no nuance to it, but like the, it, that there is this existing trope out there that is problematic and probably maybe not so healthy for, um, to be like in our cerebrum as a representation of what women should be. Well, Audrey, kind of going back to that, you're saying you mentioned characters like Black Widow, Ray, and other people like that, uh, women characters like that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the issue that comes with a strong female character is this idea of being so overpowered that there is no character development or growth from there? Do you think that plays into it? Because I know that's a point I you made in the beginning. Yeah, I think for sure it does, because that's something I find very frustrating when watching movies where it's like a lot of masculine characters or a lot of male characters um, are given flaws, you know, are written to have nuance to them. And then you get to these female characters and like maybe they have like a side love story or a side plot like that, but there's no real there's no real flaw to them. So there's no real room for them to grow. I think Black Widow is a good example of that. Um, I think, like, maybe her character has grown throughout movies and stuff, but especially in the beginning, she was just this very, like, stereotypical cardboard cutout of, like, this perfect, quote-unquote, like, Russian spy character who's going to kick her way to freedom and, like, choke you with her thighs. And, like, that's frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) It was very frustrating. No, never mind. I, I think as we're like as we've been talking, it, it's hitting me that maybe the unique point of this article is the word "strong" in it with "strong female lead" because it resonates in my life. I mean, it says like this that she said it's difficult for us to imagine femininity itself, empathy, vulnerability, listening as strong, um, and yeah. like, that's something that made me go yes with this article because that's where I found my voice is even usually a little more high pitched than this, but I'm sick and pink. <laughs> and if I'm going to have a flower here, like people don't do at all. Or when you do become empathetic or what people say, see and, and things, people see that as not strong. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm strong because I feel, I feel the pain. And I feel 
deal with and these things persist. Like, it would be great if I didn't feel these things. Like, how is that strength if you don't feel them? Like, you're not having to feel it. So that was the point that you love when you're looking at strength, maybe, and that, like, these stereotypes that we do for strength to be masculine versus strength to be, like, fighting and stuff versus... Maybe? No. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting you bring that up when you talk about, like, being empathetic as a strength, which I 100% agree with yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, being able to be vulnerable. Um, like, but typically, whenever, I mean, whenever you say strong female lead, what is popping in my mind are these blockbusters, like like the blockbuster movies. When we talk about Star Wars, we can talk about Black Widow, we can talk about um, Hunger Games, we can talk about all these things. So I think a great midpoint I, I, for you there, Aaron, like... um. Have you ever watched, like, have any of you ever watched The Legend of Korra? The Avatar, yeah. The Last Airbender sequel series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the series finale, when she solves the crisis not through, Wait, like, wait, wait, wait. I, never, I never finished that. Don't spoil that shit for me. Yeah, okay. I still sorry. gotta get to that. Well, I, I will say, like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to shit out of your, like, whole point, but, like, I really want to watch it. <laughs> I, I will say, like, the ending plays more in line with this article... Than like your tip, what you might expect, especially if you watch like the first season of the show, when she's like, "I just want to punch things and like just fight." <laughs> Interesting, but I think you know what though, like not to get so existential about it. I think maybe the problem is within that phrasing itself as strong. It's like. You know, there's there's other forms of strength, and I think that I can think of a million, you know, like male leading roles where it wasn't necessarily about like physicality or anything like that. That it was more just about finding the strength to, you know, overcome, you know, whatever circumstance they might be in. And I think when you describe strong female lead, like Aaron says, like that's what you think of. You think of like superhero stuff or like whatever and i think like that term is used in the wrong way like a a lead is a lead and i think we need to get away from that strong female stuff in general and i think that maybe we'd all have a better understanding because like i said like nothing about the marvelous miss mazel which is an amazing show and it's like brilliantly acted is her punching her way through anything or anything like that. And it's like, like I can think of many other roles, like I said, where it's like that it doesn't fall into the category that Britt Marlin is talking about. And I think, yes, I might, you know, probably like, I think I can think of it, but maybe the average or other people can't think of roles like that, but, and it's getting better. I get it. But there probably is probably few and far between, but I don't know. I look at things, I guess maybe a different way that I'm like, I can think of a ton of characters like, um, shit, Seely in the color purple. Like, you know what I mean? I think of that as a strong female lead. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but I go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think like part of what this article is talking about is like redefining what we consider strong because right now, like strong, obviously has like a very physical connotation to it. 
Um, but she's obviously talking about like, there's more nuance to that. Like sometimes women are very strong in like being empathetic, like we were talking about earlier. And so like that, so like, I think she's using this like strong female lead as like, as the trope, like she's like specifically calling out as like, this is kind of like, like women don't necessarily have to be strong in this way. They can be strong Mm. in other ways. And that's why it's like problematic that we have Mm -hmm. this trope going on. Um, cause it almost feels like when we were like, when society was like, Hey, maybe make more movies with women in them. Like directors were like, okay, so we'll just make male characters, but they're like hot though. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like, what if like James Wan had boobs, you know? <laughs> it feels like a lot of these like strong empowered feet, like strong empowered women roles are just like male screenwriters and directors like, Huh, I wonder what a strong, yeah. empowered woman would be like, and they just think in like masculine modalities. Yeah. Right, yeah. And they're like, but she'll kill people with her thighs. Um <laughs> <laughs> and this is, um, well, sorry. I was gonna say, but like, but I, I think that's like that's part of what she's bringing up is that like we do need to redefine how we're seeing strong and represent it more in like mainstream media because we are getting just this such like cookie cutter like physically strong can like punch you type character which again like i i don't think there's anything wrong with that there just should be more maybe nuance to it i find that uh when you were talking um like i said there's some female playwrights coming up and my favorite one her name is Teresa. i don't know what's pronounced rebecca or Rebeck. it's the problem with reading versus podcast you have to guess pronunciation um, <laughs> But I read the intro to one of her collected plays and she was talking about being a female playwright and how if she wrote the stories about women, the industry dismissed her. Yeah. And so then for a while, because when I was reading some of her plays, I'm like, come on, you're a woman. Why aren't you writing any parts for women? I need monologues, you know? Um, Yeah. And then I read the intro and I'm like, oh, that's why. Her, for her to succeed as a playwright, she had to write, as a female, she had to write men's stories mm-hmm. before she had enough success to write. I produced one of her plays that was like five females and two men. Yay. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually representative of the audition room. What do you know? Um, what, do you, what do you know? But yeah, I just found that really interesting that when it comes to the stories that are being told, Hopefully there are more female playwrights now. I mean, I'm working on a script with two friends and I also hope that men aren't afraid to tell women's stories. I've heard that some mm. post me too. And I'm like, yeah, please write me the part. Go for it. <laughs> but like talk to women and get feedback. You can still write it. Um, you know, and if you're worried, I'm sure plenty of women will give you their opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that, like when I wrote um, the script for Reboot, which was the superhero uh, short that we made back in 2019, I'd say the best feedback I got was from Gail in pointing out stuff that I didn't think about. It's like, uh, you might want to like change a few things here because the crux here is like a man telling her what she's like. It's like, no, it's like, oh, shit, I completely missed that. But thank you for that feedback. 
That brings up a lot of interesting questions. I was talking with my partner about this. Um, I actually sent her the article and she, we had a really like long talk about um, the article ourselves. She's an actress. She mainly does like stage, uh, you know, stuff too, Kristen. So she's one of your sisters. Um, but, and I said, like, I don't get how, writers you know whether it be for theater or for the screen could actually write a woman character without having a woman or somebody who i you know somebody who identifies that way even like be a writing partner i would just think that would be the logical choice oh definitely like Like, i know anything that i write from now on that like a complex narrative that stars a woman like I want to get feedback from women, right? So that way, how can you, how how can you write for anything that you don't know without feedback in general? Like I think that's like that's a, the whole I mean, thing. that might be a writing as a like as a whole is like writing comes in the well you write in the editing and the rewriting. Yeah, and I think also like um, if you're not like consulting people who do have that experience, like whether it be writing like about people who are transgender or people of color, that type of thing. If you're not sort of getting input, you're probably just doing a bad job. Like yeah, you're doing a, you're doing an imitation. Right. Yeah. So I, I think like you're asking like, how do people do that? They're just doing, they're just doing bad. They're not doing good. <laughs> <laughs> like I was trying to give the benefit of the doubt yeah. and I was just like yeah that's true it's like how do you like what's wrong with like being like hey like I am trying to tell a story about a woman like maybe I should get somebody who knows what that's right. like yeah. to be my writing partner it's like what's like is it because they don't want to split the credit like they <laughs> want it all to themselves like like uh there's this movie that I guess like uh is called Waves it's on um Amazon Prime, and I was like, I didn't hear anything about it, um, but you know, I watched the trailer, and it's about you know, a black suburban family, and about like a lot of like other you know things going on, like basically like a death in the family, uh, and like the trials and tribulations they go through after that. And I found out <laughs> at the end that it was written and directed by a white guy, and it was like he said that it's semi out of autobiographical but he decided to change all the characters to be black right before production and of course i said why the fuck (laughs) like 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 why like i don't i don't know if he thought it would be more woke or provocative but it's like and i don't know his reasoning behind it because i searched for like interviews or anything there's no clear explanation as to why he chose to do this especially when some of the story has to do with like violence, like domestic abuse towards a girl that's outside of his race. And it's like, he switched the character from being a white guy doing it to a black man doing this. And it was just like, what the fuck is that about? It's like, (laughs) like if you didn't like confer with anybody, like how are you writing to directing about the black? Like you could have just done it from your own experience. And I'm wondering also, besides the obvious, it's like, what the hell is autobiographical about this fucked up story? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is going yeah. on with you, dude? Yeah. Like, uh, I a, a, <laughs> like, anyway. <laughs> I had a similar thought pop up, like, when I was watching the new Watchmen TV show. 
which while fantastic, mm-hmm. like, like, all right, like this is a good show, but like Lindelof is definitely not black. <laughs> not as far as I know. Yeah, it's like, is he the best person to be talking about like the black experience? But then again, what I heard about that though, it's like because people, like he's one of the create, he's one of those type of creators where like that happens on set, like he'll have the idea and then he'll talk to, you know, his actors and people who are in it and they'll make suggestions and they'll rewrite that to make it authentic. So I think that's what makes him, cause he wanted to tell a story about race and he wanted to do that, but he had the basic, the building blocks. And then while they were making it, he conferred with these people. And that's what I think made it, like what what made it great is because the process wasn't over just because and like that's yeah. the way to go about it too that like I couldn't even be mad at so if I'm like if I have a basic story and I'm like you know I get it greenlit but like once I'm on the set yeah I'm writing for a woman and I would be like hey does this feel right to you does this feel like this what this character is because I don't know I'm not selfish about creation I yeah. guess, yeah. and I, I mean, think they're not filmmakers for being like, oh, I just want to control every aspect. Like, film yeah. is the ultimate artistic collaborative yeah. form, or one of them, I should say. Yeah, I think also like it's like what we're like discovering. Like, it's a very gray area, you know. Like whether whether you're writing like somebody else's story, like why would you do that? But then also you want to be inclusive and you want to write these characters. Like it, it is like, a, there's a lot of gray there, but I think like, as long as you're, as long as, yeah, you're trying to be conscious of it and trying to be like inclusive in your productions and stuff like that. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it is like hard because like, you don't want to write a character that's like accidentally sexist or like accidentally racist or something just because you don't have that knowledge, but then you don't want to like only write for people who look like you. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's complicated, but that's why I was so glad when Dale tore apart my script for reboot. <laughs> like that goes. Yeah. Deep. But that's what I was going to say. Like it's anything. It, yeah. it, it only, it's not until you do it that you can learn those lessons. So to me, as long as you're doing it with an open mind and that like, I yeah. applaud you for writing it and like, thank you for writing it and, and then getting the feedback on it. And then I also find it interesting because, you know, for girl code, I shared my rough story, BJ turned it into a script. I've given it some edits and, you know, based on a true story of the single girl, um, well, girl experiencing new year's Eve as single for the first time, um, in a while, and I shared it with my friend who was yeah. there with me for like, you know, things that I was forgetting or whatever. And it's not until you have other people read it that you see things you forget. Because when you're writing, I'm talking from blog post writing, but I'm assuming it's, no, it's just for writing in general. <laughs> but Kristen uh, and Audrey, I, parting thoughts from you because we're all stupid ass men. <laughs> um, so yeah. I kind of want you two to kind of like, I don't know sum it up if you can um yeah let's start with you audrey okay um i don't know i think like this subject is very like complicated and there is a lot of nuance in it like we've touched on before like obviously not every female lead is this like quote-unquote strong female lead um i do definitely agree with her that this there is this like problematic trope in 
movies right now that seems to be kind of like where most mainstream movies take women and how the portrayal of strength there is something that we do consider very hyper-masculine. But I also agree with the point that somebody made earlier that there are a lot of more nuanced um, female leads, like The Marvelous Miss Maisel, or even um, like uh, Elle Woods, stuff like that. So I I think it's complicated, but I I do think it's worth thinking about, and we're all creators in some way or another here, and I think it's definitely really worth considering when we're creating our own things and telling stories about how maybe we can look beyond this like strong female trope like maybe women don't have to be strong just by punching maybe they can be strong by listening and wearing pink and just being people with nuance that are not perfect characters (laughs) so i think i think that's kind of like my final thoughts is like the, it's a complicated issue, but it's always good to think about, especially when you're a creator. I think relating back to the article, a lot that I realized while we were talking, because I wanted to go into so many other issues about women in film um, that trying to stay on track. Because this article is about strong female leads, kind of building on on what you just said, Audrey, it comes down to what we see as strength and remembering that strength means more than physical strength, Mm -hmm. the emotional and internal strength and how we can recognize that in people. Yeah. And as we build that out in stories more, hopefully that's where like we can keep seeing strong female leads as strong. There's one, like, I think this is a good quote to kind of wrap up from the article where she's talking about um, this story from Parable of the Sower, a sci-fi novel by Octavia Butler. Mm -hmm. And the 17-year-old Lauren, she feels quite literally other people's pain. This feminine gift and curse uniquely prepares her to survive. So maybe that's a cool way to think about that internal strength. Yeah. Like I said, like, there's... Yeah, we cannot do this possibly yeah. in one single podcast. With that being said, uh, Kristen, uh, where can people find you once again? What are your socials? Anything you want to plug shamelessly or not shamelessly? What's going on with you? Uh, depending on when this airs, my cu- my dog is trying to dig a hole in the couch right now behind me. Sorry if I'm a tiny bit distracted. Depending on this is when this airs, my show coming up is called uh, Seven Deadly Sins Weekends in March. Um, so that's fun. And then um, it's at the Pride Center for the Arts. And then the um, sorry, it's really distracting to have a dog digging in the background. Okay. <laughs> um, my social handles are Osmerican Girl, like. AUS because I used to live in Australia and then American, like you know, the country we're in. So, us American girl, mm-hmm. Twitter and Instagram, there. So, yeah, Audrey, what's up with you? Um, I don't really have a lot going on. Um, would love to be employed. So, if anybody has a job for me, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> you got a Gmail or something? Yeah, uh, um. So you can look at my website. It's jewel144.wixsite.com forward slash website. Jewel, J-E-W-E-L-L, 144. So hit me up. <laughs> Hire me. I do so, good motion graphics. I'm good at it. 
<laughs> so is that like actually motion graphic? Is that like so you do like like animation yeah. kind of things? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say my resume. I used to work at Ohio State Athletics um, and put stuff on the scoreboards. So. Oh, cool. So awesome. I actually need probably need something. So I will hit yeah. you up about that on the side for definitely sure. Definitely do. I will definitely do it. And I have a script idea that uh, we could talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything. Bringing people together as always. Uh, oh, yeah. Aaron Segway. Let me throw it back to you, sir. All right. You want me to close it out? Oh, yeah. Oh, let's close it out. All <laughs> right, guys. Uh, it's been a great night. Uh, all the discussions we've been having, it's been really interesting. Um, with that being said, a couple last minute things. If you want to find more about uh, the Chicago film scene, of course, you can find this on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. Um, and as well, you can always come meet us live in person. Um, you know, I'm not that pretty, but, you know, it's uh, it's still a fun time over at the Arrogant Frog every single Wednesday. Typically, we start getting there around between 7, 8-ish. Uh, so come swing on by and we'd love to see you guys all there. Joe, you want to say goodnight? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, 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 Joe, what, what, Joe what were you doing? That sounded like someone who's scrambling to get their phone that was on speaker. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, yes. It was uh, packing up. Like, I have been recording a DJ since uh, the recording started immediately after the board meeting. I didn't want to delay us, so. Ah, uh, okay. All right. But, yeah. Anything for CFS? Yes, exactly. <laughs> all right. Sounds great. You guys all have a good night. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.